0: E S N Y. All right, how are we? Welcome back. See, when I start the show off that way, I think you can guess that we're coming off of a Giants loss. Usually, if it's a win, I'm all upbeat, like, hey, what up, like my usual up-tempo self, but not this Monday night. That's not the case. That's not the attitude or the mood or tone that I'm portraying on what is episode 78 of the Wider right Eye Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always... I'm your host Ryan Honey of Elite Sports New York and the Elite Sports Radio Network. Um, yeah, 0 1 for the fifth year in a row. For the 10th out of the for the 10th time in the last 11 years, I believe. Yeah, 0 and 1. I think the only one was 2016 when they started off 2 and 0, beat the Cowboys, and then beat the Saints, and obviously ended up going to the playoffs that year. But yeah, 0 1 to start the 2021 season the New York Giants with a 27-13 to loss on Sunday afternoon at home against the Denver Broncos. Listen, I'm not going to go through and recap this entire game. I'm not going to read off all the stats. You know what the score was. You know what the stats were. You know who played well and who who played didn't. And Excuse me, who played well and who didn't. What I want to talk about is the fact that I said this last episode. I said, I have never gone into a giant season with this many back-and-forth discussions and questioning. It was, will Daniel Jones take the leap? Will the offensive line be okay? Will Jason Garrett be a little bit more creative? Will these weapons help out the offense? Will, uh, will the defense repeat its strong performance from 2020? And uh, on Sunday afternoon in the midst of this 27 to 13 loss at metlife stadium we began to find out the answers to those questions starting number 1 with the quarterback is daniel jones the guy can he take the leap moving can he take that leap and prove that he is the future face of this franchise and the long-term answer at the quarterback position right now it's not looking great it just isn't You could go through the stats and say he had an up and down day. I said in my article yesterday, last night, that he had an up and down day for the most part, overall. But, with Daniel Jones, the turnovers trump all. And the reason they trump all is because they have been an issue for so long. If Daniel Jones ever had a fumbling issue, we wouldn't really be talking about the fumble that happened yesterday. We would be talking about, you know, the defense didn't play well and Jason Garrett didn't call a great game and the pass rush didn't come to sh- um, show up. And But since this has been an issue and since he has now fumbled, or I believe turned the ball over, period, 30 times in 28 career games, the fumble yesterday is what we're going to talk about. Since the big question with him is, can he correct his fumbling issue and can he correct his turnover issue? The fact that he committed a turnover yet again yesterday is what we're going to discuss. That's what trumps all. The fumble is what jumps out. Because it, it brings on, it's a different level of emotion. It's frustration among the fans. These these fans are annoyed at this point when it comes to this issue. Because it has happened so many times. And it has happened for such a, such a long period of time at this point. Fumbles weren't just an issue during his 2019 rookie campaign. They were, I guess, a little bit less of an issue as time went on, but it's still an issue. I get there were some times where, like, oh, he went f- this many games in a row where he didn't fumble, or this many games in a row where he didn't commit a turnover. Doesn't matter. It's still happening. In 2021, he's still fumbling the ball. It's still an issue. It's a drive killer. It's a momentum killer. It always is. And when it's as big of an issue as it is with Daniel Jones, that's a huge concern. Huge concern. So is DJ the guy? Did he show flashes yesterday that he could be the guy? Not really. I'm not trying to knock the guy, but he didn't exactly give us... I mean, there was a touchdown early to Shepard, and there was the deep ball to Slayton. I mean, he has a big arm. He could find his targets. But he didn't exactly show us, the viewers, the people who watch this team, that he is the absolute, he's the absolute long-term answer quarterback. He didn't show us that yesterday or on Sunday. Not at all. Had some good moments, like I just said, but nothing... Eye opening. We also questioned would the offensive line be okay? Didn't exactly look like that on Sunday. It didn't look like that. I mean, let me put it this way Andrew Thomas looked better than he has, which is good. It's a step in the right direction. You didn't didn't see, you know, you didn't hear his name called as many times as it has in the past. And he's he's been a concern. There's no lie about that. Yeah, I'm rooting for Andrew Thomas to improve, just like everyone else's. But he's been a concern—you can't deny that—ever since he came into the league as a 2020 first-round draft pick last year. So the fact that he, I guess, took a step in the right direction yesterday—that's obviously a good thing. But the entire offensive line unit as a whole did not. You know, Nate Solder didn't play a good game. You got—they're making stir making subs early, they're putting Pairt in, they're putting Bre- Benton, excuse me, Ben Bredesen in, sort of shows that they're not exactly fully confident in like a five-man unit sticking on the field as one for 60 minutes if they're making switches that early in the game. Shows they're not as confident in their offensive line as other teams are in theirs. And I defended them not making a huge move in, free in uh, the offseason when it came to the offensive line. Everyone said, oh, they could have drafted a tackle in the first round. They could have addressed the offensive line in free agency more. I defended them. I said, listen, they have a group of guys. At the time, I thought it was going to be Thomas, Lemieux, Gates, Hernandez, and Pert. Turns out Soldier's is the starter over Perrett, as of you know last week, and uh, that's what happened yesterday. But I defended it. I was like, listen, they have a, a young unit. Continuity is important when it comes to an offensive line because continuity is a prerequisite of chemistry. And that's what this offensive line had. All five of those guys, um, Thomas Lemieux, Gates, Hernandez, Parrott, all played last year with one another. Now my uh, I'm changing my mind a little bit. Now I think they should have addressed the offensive line more in the offseason. Because it's not looking phenomenal right now. And that's a huge issue. Because Daniel Jones is sort of limited. Jason Garrett's playbook is also limited. And when you don't have a strong offensive line, it further limits what you can do as an offense. And that's what happened yesterday. They did not have, this offense did not put up, you know, did not produce enough. Thirteen points. That's it. Once it got to seven, once the Broncos extended their lead to seventeen to seven in the third quarter, it was just one of those games where that it felt like it was over. This team scored seventeen and a half points a game last year. It's it's tough when you have that sort of uh, when you struggle that much as an offense to put up points. It's tough to believe that they'll put up ten plus. You know, in a quarter and a half to come back down 10. So the offensive line didn't play well at all. I'm starting to believe they should have made a move in the offseason. Obviously, things could change moving forward, but Sunday's performance did not exactly put much confidence um, in my head. But they, hey, things could change moving forward. And I hope, and obviously, I hope they do. But that's a huge. That's a concern right now, the offensive line, I would say. Uh, can the defense repeat its strong performance from 2020? I think there's, I mean, obviously there's a lot of a lot of season left, but Sunday it wasn't good. I didn't think they they, they, they didn't pressure Teddy Bridgewater enough. I think they gave Bridgewater too much time in the pocket. I don't think the secondary played well. Um, I'm not a huge fan of them utilizing Jabril Peppers. As much as they do in uh, coverage I think Jabril Pepper should be up near the line of scrimmage more Has more of a box safety rushing the passer Um, I think Adoree Jackson uh, Screwed up here and there There was the one deep ball to KJ Hamler That fortunately KJ Hamler dropped in the end zone That was on Adoree Jackson So I mean there's a lot of football left And this defense has um, Talented bodies There's talented bodies on that side of the ball They could come together And they could figure this out but I'm just saying they they didn't do so on Sunday. Gave Teddy Bridgewater all day to throw. I mean, he's going to he'll find his guys. I said I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is a legitimate starting quarterback in this league, but he's an experienced one. Give him time, he'll find his guys. And the Giants gave him time. And he found his guys. He threw for 264 yards and two touchdowns. 28 of 36 passing. I know I said I'm not going to read off every stat, but that's a no, those are noteworthy ones that stand out when I make this argument. How about the weapons on the offensive side of the ball? And if they're going to help this offense develop? There's a chance. I mean, hey, I will say, a sliver of optimism was late in the game when Daniel Jones sort of developed... or further built his connection with Kenny Galladay. Hick Galladay on a number of throws. I thought Sterling Shepard had a good game, obviously the one touchdown. But it comes back to the play calling and the uh, you know the uncreativity of uh, Jason Garrett's play calling. It renders those weapons obsolete for the most part. You gotta get those weapons in space. You know you can't you saw this last year with you know when Evan Engram was healthy last year. He's using Evan Engram like he is Jason Witten, Jason Garrardus. You can't do that. You need to implement creativity. That's what unlocks the sheer potential of all these weapons, such as Kenny Galladay, such as Sterling Shepard, such as Evan Engram when he's healthy, and such as Kadarius Toney, but we don't even know what's going on with Kadarius Toney right now. That's another mystery. He, had five, he, he was on the field for five snaps yesterday, Kadarius Toney was. Five snaps. Pretty sure most of which were early in the game. I saw him get the ball twice early in the game. His he had two targets yesterday. Two targets, two catches, negative two yards. I'm pretty sure both were early in the game, and then they just went. They he was just off the field. They didn't give him any reps after that. It's a bizarre start to his career, by the way. Bizarre start. I don't know what was going on yesterday. I don't know why they. I don't know if him not getting as many reps in a game is part of like a ramp up process that he's still a part of, but Kadarius Tony is a mystery and continued to be a mystery on Sunday. Two receptions, negative two yards, two targets, five snaps. They used a number twenty overall pick on this kid, and they're not and they're they're not even valuing him, valuing him much. He was healthy, he was good to go, and he just got five snaps. So while we're beginning to answer a lot of questions there are still many other ones to answer still. You know what I mean? Like it, we're, we're starting to figure out whether DJ is the guy and if the offensive line's going to be fine and the defensive issues and get there's a st- we're we're still there's still a lot of things to figure out with this team. I understand we're beginning to answer some questions and we're be- beginning to get a feel of what this team can be. And what this team is right now. But there's still a long way to go. Like, we still have a lot of questions to answer with this team. I thought Saquon looked slow. Obviously, he's coming off the major knee injury. Um, I think he obviously, you know, he didn't have a big day. We know that. But the offensive line definitely played a role in that. The, the struggles of the offensive line played a role in his, I guess, issue filled day, only 26 yards on 10 carries. I think he looked a little slow though. Didn't look I I know he's not. They say he's 100%. We don't know how true it is and I know they want to keep him on a snap count because it, he just came off an injury. I get that. You got to ease him back into the process. You know, takes a it's a it's a physical and a mental toll and they got to ease him back into the process, especially considering he hasn't played in almost a year. He didn't play in almost a year on a, in a actual live game setting, but he looks slow and yeah. I just think there's a lot of questions to answer still. I really do. I think we're beginning to find out some things, but I th- I still think there are many questions still to answer. And I don't even want to get too much into the whole uh the Joe Judge thrown challenge flag. Um, I thought I thought that was uh listen I, I I I get it. He was you know he was. It was a heat of the moment thing like he said in the post game. Uh, he, he tried to get their attention. Um, but number one, I mean if you if you wanted an explanation after about the touchdown, he could have gotten an explanation after the extra point. because you know, was it wasn't like he was trying to challenge the play. Number one, you can't number one, the, the scoring play, the touchdown was automatically reviewable. So, you throw the flag, the challenge flag, and the gates to the uh, challenge, and you can't challenge it anymore. And number two, they did review it, they saw nothing, they, 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 they confirmed the call, that's why the teams were lined up to kick the extra point. So you're not going to change anything right then and there, just wait until the extra point is kicked, and then get the explanation. And then get, you know, call the refs over, get their attention, and get their explanation on, you know... Explain that you thought he stepped out of bounds. You get an explanation for the refs. But, you know, throwing, getting their attention right then and there before the extra point isn't going to change anything. They already confirmed the call because the team's lined up to kick the extra point. That's how it works. And they cost, and, you know, they cost the team a timeout in the second half. So I get it. Heat of the moment, an emotional, uh, emotional move. But I mean, it cost a timeout, and uh, there he could have asked them after the PAT, ahead of the kickoff. It could have been done then. But he wanted it. He he threw the flag, cost the team the timeout. Obviously, they didn't end up needing timeouts because they ended up losing by multiple scores. I mean, the game should—it was—it was was basically a 27-7 game. Obviously, Daniel Jones had the garbage time touchdown run as time expired. To make it 27-13, they didn't kick the extra point. They weren't obligated to. But, yeah, all in all, tough, tough, tough day for both New York teams. I mean, hey, I guess the one thing is we did see, if you're a Jet fan, you did get a glimpse of what Zach Wilson could do. Now, I don't think this Jets team looks very good. Um, but, again, this isn't this isn't supposed to be the year for the Jets. This is supposed to be a developmental season, you know, new rookie quarterback, new additions, Robert Sala. Everyone's new. This is supposed to be like a build, a year to build and a year to develop. Next year is supposed to be the year for the Jets. 2022. That's when Jet fans, that's what Jet fans should look forward to. Right now, I don't expect the Jets to win a lot of games, and you shouldn't either. I think they're capped at about five or six wins. But they played the Panthers pretty tough yesterday, and I think the Panthers are going to be pretty good. We got a glimpse of what Zach Wilson can do. Obviously, he has a ton of upside. It's tremendous upside. I mean, he can move. He can move, and he can sling it too. You saw those touchdown passes to Corey Davis. He can sling it. And good thing he has a connection with Corey Davis too. He's already building, um, building rapport with his receivers. That's good. But all in all, tough day to be. Regardless, both teams losing tough. First NFL Sunday for New York sports fans. It's the bottom line. Tough first day. I was two and over, two and zero in my survivor pool. That's good. Picked Cleveland to lose. Thank God. I was watching the. So I'm watching the Giants game on my television. I got the iPad next to me with Red Zone on, and I'm like, every now and then I see that a quarter of my eye. I'm like. Cleveland twenty-two, Kansas City ten. I'm like shit. I'm gonna be out of it. I was out of it week one last year. I was gonna be out of it week one in the second year in a row. But picked Cleveland to lose. Thankfully that happened. And then I have the another survivor league where I pick a winner. Uh, I picked San Francisco. That almost didn't happen. I mean, it was like forty-one to sixteen or forty-one to. I forget the. It was they were. Lions almost came back. I forget the exact. I, I know the final score is 41 to 33, but they almost came back, and I, I, I kept seeing the Lions score points And I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna lose that too. But 2-0, oh, we survived. 2-0 oh in uh, week one Survivor Pool. Week one of Survivor is the hardest week because you don't know what you're gonna get out of a lot of teams. Yeah, I didn't think Cleveland was. I mean, I I know I I I, I Told y'all to pick on my best bets episode last week. I said take Cleveland plus six, which happened by the way. They covered, so thank me. But I didn't think Cleveland was going to be, you know, up by 12 at one point, which they were. You know, I didn't think Detroit was going to score that many points against San Francisco. I didn't think it was going to be that close at the end. I thought San Francisco was going to San Francisco was going to blow them out. But week one in Survivor is the toughest week. I could. I could also. I, I. I'm gonna be one. I'm gonna win. I'm in two fantasy leagues as well. Gonna win one of those. The other one, I don't know. I'm up by like 11, and I have Mark Andrews tonight. He has Darren Waller plus Justin Tucker. Uh, obviously, that game's at 8:20 tonight. Ravens Raiders. I'll try to catch most of that, if not all of that. Probably all of it, because it's football's back, and that's all I want to watch. Ever. Um, but yeah. So, short week. Giants play Thursday night against the Washington football team. So we will be doing our – everything is kind of uh, pressed together with episodes this week. So Wide Right will be coming back for the Best Bets episode tomorrow, Tuesday the 14th. And then we'll be doing our Giants-Washington preview on uh, Wednesday the 15th. And then, yeah, Giants play Thursday night, uh, 8-20. uh, I think on Fox. I think I forget who does the Thursday. Night. I, I I every year I forget this. I think it's Fox or NFL Network or both. I forget, but I know it's Bakeman and uh, excuse me, uh, Aikman and Buck and yeah, I, they they gotta win that game. The Giants do. That's the bottom line. They gotta win that game, especially you know Ryan Fitzpatrick is not playing. Taylor Heineke is in. They gotta win that game. They're plus four and a half. I think the Giants are. They're opened up at plus four and a half. So Vegas doesn't think they have they have much of a chance, but they got to win this game. They cannot start off if they're they they've already started off 0 and 1 again. They can't do this thing again where they're starting off 0 and 2 every year and 0 and 3. I mean, last year it was 0 5. They can't keep doing starting off the season with just consistent losing and losing streaks and digging themselves into a deep hole right away. They can't do that. Got to be 1 and 0 this week. Got to get your record to 1 and 1. Has to happen, but we'll talk to you guys a number of times this week. Best bets, I said, as I said, best bets tomorrow, Tuesday the fourteenth, Giants, Washington preview the fifteenth. But for now, thank you so much for tuning in, episode seventy-eight of the Wide Right podcast. As always, I'm your host Ryan Honey of Elite Sports New York and Elite Sports Radio Network. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan Honey E S N Y, and listen to subscribe to the Wide Eye right podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. As I've said it all the time, wherever you get your podcasts, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Art Radio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Giants watching this Thursday night. Hopefully, um, can't wait to talk to you guys later on this week, multiple times, and uh, we'll see you soon.